Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. And a good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We had a lot to get into. Action-packed night last night from Detroit. UFC 218 was fantastic. It was awesome. What a card. I feel like some momentum's rolling now for the big UFC cards. This has been a, it's been a, a tough year for UFC um, as far as a lot of main events were falling out, injuries, uh, empty promises, but it really is starting to round out to a good 2017. I mean, the last few cards have been pretty damn fantastic, um, and last night was no exception. Really, really great. And I think what was exciting about last night was a meeting of expectations. That was what was great about last night. Sometimes the surprise is good. The surprise is is always fun. We uh, we saw this this year with the Hurricanes. This you know, and it had an unfortunate ending last night. Where, you know, you, you you got thumped a little bit, but what made the the Kane season so special is you didn't expect it to come this fast. But a lot of the times, the stars are made when expectations are met. That's when you know you truly have greatness. That you truly have a next level starship. And last night was about expectations getting met. Max Holloway steps in, and does to Jose Aldo what he did the first time, does it worse, does it in more impressive fashion, does it in more dominant fashion, does it in in, in an exciting style, meeting expectations and showing you that he's for real, that this is a kid who really the UFC, I think, should, should do everything they can to make that next star, give him every opportunity to be a star for them. You know, it was interesting to me that when we were leading up to Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw, they were talking about Cody Garbrandt in being the next face of the UFC. And Cody Garbrandt, to that point, had really given you one great performance. He was undefeated, and he had some sensational knockouts. But I think what caught everybody by surprise with Cody is, oh, he may be next level. That was an unexpected performance that he had against Dominic Cruz. People didn't think he was ready for that yet. And sometimes when things are unexpected, it may be it may be hard for them to stay consistent. And we saw that with, with Cody Garbrandt, though he had a good showing against TJ Dillashaw. He still is raw. He still has a lot of work to do. But with Max Holloway, who's now on a, on a 12-fight win streak, who hasn't lost since he was 21 years old to a young superstar, then just really introduced to the UFC, known as Conor McGregor. This guy has stormed through the featherweight division, 
He's now given Jose Aldo two beatings worse than even Connor could give Jose. I know that Connor did it in more sensational style, but a more systematic breakdown of one of the greatest featherweights of all time. Maybe the greatest featherweight of all time. Maybe Max Holloway will take that mantle from him. But the fact that he was able to walk into that octagon, so calm, so collected. Jose Aldo, you could even argue, even with the shorter camp, had more of his toolbox with him because maybe his cardio wasn't there, but you could argue that cardio was because of the damage Max was putting on him. But that leg kick, those devastating leg kicks, those were there, uh, a tool that he didn't really have in the first fight because of what they're saying are injuries. And that was getting unleashed on Max Holloway. You could tell it was affecting him a little bit. Weathered that storm. Maybe a round you could argue for Jose Aldo in the second round. And he just keeps coming forward. He comes. He he darts in and out. He's, he's, he's looking at his opponent. He's scoping Jose Aldo up and down. Not intimidated. Not worried about the repercussions. And just continues to to shine and, and gave Jose Aldo a worse beating than he did the first time. Shined at, at, at another level. Same round, yes, but in a different style, definitely. In a, in, a, in a more vicious style, definitely. Showmanship to it, absolutely. You know, at one point after the first round, he goes over to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's like, he just told me that Jose Aldo's tired. The man is tired. That's crazy. That is showmanship, though. That's that's some That's some Floyd Mayweather crap where you're going and talking to the broadcasters in the midst of a fight but that's what Max Holloway that's what we seemingly have on our hands with Max Holloway so to me the idea that this guy's going to turn 26 years old and you haven't been crowned anything by the promotion yet you haven't been given this idea that you're the next superstar that you're the next he's really done a lot of this on his own this is a this has been keeping his mouth shut racking up wins, beating the most vicious guys in a in a super dangerous division. And yeah, if you want to hold over his head that hey, 4 years ago, you get you lost to the only person to ever ever hold two titles at once in the promotion's history. If you want to hold that over his head forever, all right. But this dude is pretty fantastic for a sport that forgives a lot of losses and treats guys like they're Teflon. This guy's as Teflon as it gets. He's amazing. I, I I really do come away every single fight just being more and more impressed with Max Holloway. He was fantastic yesterday. And the idea that he is he has now beaten Jose Aldo to a pulp twice is unbelievable. Where does he go from here? I don't know. You know, that's, that, that's such a lean body. Does he end up going to 155 eventually? Does he reign over this? I still want to see the Frankie Edgar matchup. That's for sure. Uh, I would love to see what comes of that. But this guy, he he just continues to amaze. That was a great performance yesterday. Yesterday was about meeting expectations. You know why yesterday was also about meeting expectations? If you have a question of whether or not Max Holloway should be the next UFC superstar, there should be no doubt that Francis Ngannou is the next UFC superstar. And why is that? Expectations. Expectations were met and exceeded with Francis Ngannou. This wasn't a surprise. He was built up. I've been calling him all week, UFC Drago. This guy has been training at the UFC facilities. This guy has been dubbed number one punching power in the world. 
And so what do you have to do if you're built up as a monster, if you're built up as the guy who has all the advantages, the guy who has the superhero body, the guy who has the super genetic freak physique against the guy in Uberim, Overeem, formerly of Uberim, when he was uh, souped up with other stuff. Friend Singanu is almost like, it's like he's created. It seems like he's created in a lab, but that's okay. Like, if he's going to be that guy, he needs to be the guy that goes out there and steamrolls folks. And what he did last night to Alistair Overeem, the power behind that uppercut, he, for those who didn't see it, if you guys are just tuning into us for a recap, you got to see what this uppercut, it was one of the most hellacious uppercuts you'll ever see. One punch, something out of a video game, something out of Street Fighter, something out of Mortal Kombat, something out of a movie. That's how cartoonish this power was from Francis Ngannou. It left you as a fight fan in awe. Oh my God, this guy is the real deal. He just did that. Keep in mind. Alistair Overeem is one of the most decorated strikers of all time. Multiple sports, multiple titles, and multiple promotions. This guy has seen it all. Is he a little bit more chinny than he used to be? Sure. Is he a little bit past his prime? Definitely. But this guy's been in there with every kind of striker from all around the world, from every corner of the earth, and we ain't ever seen him ever seen him flatlined like that raised up off the ground head hits the canvas and my genuine reaction was he's dead he's dead I was almost it was almost there was there was a mix between shock excitement and fear for how he got hit Francis Ngannou went in there against one of the best strikers we've ever seen and I thought he killed him and Joe Rogan's even like his, pull, his toes are still pointed. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, are they serious about this? He's he's not moving. And the fact that Fred Singanu, all week, calling him UFC Drago, all week, talking about the Predator built in the UFC lab, most punching power, and he goes out and he meets expectations. He does what he was billed to do, and that is when you have superstars made. Surprises are nice. Surprises are fun. Un- the unexpected is always, always a great storyline. But a lot of the times, surprises aren't sustainable. When you have fighters build to do a certain thing and they go out and they do it time after time at a time, time after time after time, that is when you start having superstars made. Ronda Rousey, when was she ta- when did she take that level from novelty to superstar? When she went in there, every single fight, she took her opponent's arm and she tapped them out and around. She went in there and she started doing it quicker, faster, in different ways, more devastating. Every single time you turned into a Ronda Rousey fight, you knew that she would go in there, she was going to take her opponent's arm, and she was going to make her submit whether it meant breaking that opponent's arm, whether whether it meant, you know, doing an inverted arm bar in a different way, 
whether doing it in 14 seconds. And so how could you not get to this super hype level that she ended up doing where people thought she could beat men? But that's what Ronda did. Ronda went in there every single time, met expectations, exceeded expectations, but but was up to the level that she was built to. Conor McGregor. You know, you think to Conor McGregor's career, and it's interesting watching this tie-in with Max Holloway, and that first Max Holloway fight, you know, people knew about Conor. It was in Boston, and it was it was crazy to see an undercard fighter get that kind of response. But he wasn't billed to what he was. You know, he started getting he started getting fights in Ireland, and Ireland goes out the first-round knockout. Gets a card uh, where he's headlined after an NFL game. First-round knockout. Goes in there against Chad Mendez. Can't beat the wrestler. You know, last-minute opponent. Second-round knockout. Connor just kept meeting expectations. He was billed as a certain thing. He would build himself up, and he would deliver. That's what made him the star. Yeah, the trash-talking's fantastic. The trash-talking is unbelievable, and we tune in for the press conferences as much as we do for the fights. But what makes you that superstar is telling the audience this is what you're going to get, and then you deliver that. I'll tell you another one. Last night, we were promised fight of the year. We were promised an unbelievable, violent showcase between two fighters. Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje. Surprises are nice. Meeting expectations for your audience is better. And we were promised an all-out brawl, one of the most violent fights you'll see, two guys who are going to walk away out of that ring, with bloody faces, busted bones. That's what we got. One of the best fights you'll see all year. So, surprises are cool. It's always cool to get a surprise. The underdog story is always great. But a lot of the times, underdogs aren't always sustainable as being stars. A lot of the times, it's a one-hit wonder. It's a one-off. But when you have guys like Max Holloway, or Francis Ngannou doing what they were built to do, that's when you can start really building somebody as being a face of a company. They were awesome last night. UFC 218 was awesome last night. Uh, I, I really, I, w- I was juiced up after watching that card. It was really fantastic. We'll dive into more of it on the other side. We'll get into a little bit of Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje and what Dana White had to say. A lot of juicy things coming out of last night's press conference right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. We'll get more into UFC in just a second. I, I, wanted, I want to uh, send out this, though. Uh, tomorrow's December 4th. That is our boy, Shannon the Cannon Briggs. 46th birthday, so we wanted to send a quick happy birthday shout-out to the champ. Let's go, champ! Let's go, champ! Champ! Shannon the Cannon Briggs, South Florida's people's champ. Our own, little, our own Rocky story. Shannon the Cannon Briggs. It's been it's been a tough year for Shannon with uh with with uh, dealing with the test stuff and the suspension. But man, I mean the amount of the amount of entertainment he delivers on a day to day basis on social media, uh, the positive vibes that he puts out, the great stuff that he's doing for the heavyweight division box. I'm telling you this this revitalization of the heavyweight division started with this dude chasing Vladimir Klitschko. It was what made Klitschko any kind of interesting over the last half decade. And a lot of that started with Shannon Briggs. I'm wishing him nothing but a great 2018 as he turns 46 years young. I hope that he gets his fight with Tyson Fury. 
that he gets back into the 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 fold of the heavyweight division because I know that the heavyweight division is a lot more entertaining with Shannon Briggs in it. So wishing you a, a very happy 46th birthday, Shannon, and I uh, hope you have a, you have a great week. Enjoy it with your family, and looking forward to a great 2018, man. Uh, can't wait to can't wait to watch the story and see it unfold. So last night at UFC 218, Max Holloway he he stops Jose Aldo in three rounds yet again TKO. Um, and a lot of people want to know what is next for Max Holloway. Should he get the fight with Frank Yeager? I think that's probably more likely what's going to happen next. But a lot of people think that if Connor's going to fight somebody from just a fan, a fight fan standpoint, if we could take the bull bleep out of, you know, fighting Paulie Malignaggi or fighting Manny Pacquiao, if we could talk about not fighting Nate Diaz for three seconds. The deserving guy in everybody's mind was Tony Ferguson. Is the interim 155 champion that really shouldn't be a debate about it. But if we were going to talk about it from a, just a fight fan's perspective, if we were going to go mere purist, a more purist aspect to this argument, I do think Max Holloway has laid a, a little bit of claim to getting a Connor fight. Um, yes, he has lost to him already. That was four years ago. They're both uh, they're both at different parts of their career. Connor's obviously blown up to the biggest store in, uh, star in combat sports. Max Holloway's got one of the longest win streaks in UFC history. He uh, he he's he's really blossoming every time he goes out there. He's more comfortable in his own skin. He's doing very very entertaining things in the octagon. I do think there is an argument to be made of, of, of seeing that fight happen again. Connor's really never defended that 145 belt. Will he ever go to 145 again? I think he could make it. Um, I don't know if he wants to, but if he, if he really had to make 145, I think he could, and I think that would be pretty fantastic if Connor ever made that return there. Or could Max go up and wait? Would he go up to 155? Would it translate? Um, and if you were Connor, if you were to, if you were to look at both of those matchups, uh, yes, we haven't seen the Tony fight before, but if you were to talk about stylistically what makes for a better fight for Connor, um, I think there's a little bit less of a, a risk of takedown for Max Holloway. You're not really going to see him do that in a fight. He's going to stand and bang first. So, you know, that interests me. It, it would interest me to see Connor versus Max again. But I will say this, you know, for... For Connor being out of the limelight, for for him being away for as long as he did, how you come out of yesterday's card and not be even more impressed with Connor and the work that he's done? A lot of people look at Connor McGregor, and you know they think, oh, he's 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 opportunistic. He's uh, he's he's pounced on 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 not only a little bit of luck, but great timing, uh, styles of opponents, and you saw yesterday what Eddie Alvarez did to Justin Gaethje. You know, Justin Gaethje, unstoppable force. Guy never stops coming forward. He's all violence. It's like fighting a buzzsaw. And Eddie Alvarez, so slick. You know, a lot of people get to the heights of Eddie Alvarez. Think about this. Eddie Alvarez, Bellator champion, UFC champion, only guy to ever do that in both promotions. Absolute Hall of Famer. Um... Guy's been in all-time fights. Michael Chandler wins the belt here from, from Rafael Dos Anjos. It, never in a boring fight. And he gets in there with Conor McGregor, and Conor McGregor just p- 
picks him apart. Crazy. You never see Eddie Alvarez like that. And proof of it was yesterday. So it's a weird thing because do you look at Conor McGregor? Because it's not like Eddie Alvarez wasn't hit hard yesterday. His cheeks swelling up. He's taking a lot of damage. It's not like he wasn't hurt. And Conor just disposes of him in a couple rounds and puts him on the canvas multiple times. It, it's wild to think what that guy can do in the ring. Max Holloway. And it's, neither one of them are the same fighters. First of all, Conor fought that fight with a torn ACL. So that 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 in itself makes me want to see it again because you, you didn't really you, you didn't get Conor at full strength and you didn't get Max at a ripe age. You got Max at 21 years old. So it, it, that enough intrigues me enough to see that fight again. I really would like to see those two in an octagon one day with each other. But either way, full strength, not right. Connor was able to beat that guy with one leg. And that in itself is impressive. It's the last time that guy lost. So how you how you come out of last night not being more impressed with Connor? I, I don't know. I, I guess you're just a, you're just a hater or you're just a doubter. I don't know what what to what category to put you in. But last night was a very very good showing for two guys who have lost to to Connor. But either way, here's what Dana had to say afterwards. You know, because people were asking, well, could we ever get this McGregor Holloway matchup? And he says. I don't know if Conor's gonna gonna fight again. I, I'm really operating like he's not. And Dana came out this week in regards to Conor McGregor, and he said that uh, that he really doesn't know if Conor's gonna fight again. He's got a hundred million dollars in the bank. That's more than a lot of people in the UFC will ever make in their lifetime. Really, I don't know if you could make half of that in a UFC career for most guys. You know. GSP's never sniffed that. Hell, Brock's never sniffed that. Ronda's never sniffed that. So, he really doesn't have to fight again. Does Connor feel some sense of obligation? Is there still a chance to make even more money at his age? Yes. That probably is what's going to keep him back. Not even Floyd was able to get to this level at this age. You know, it took Floyd a long time before he was able to get the monster, monster paydays. What, what, these, these astronomical nine-figure paydays. I mean, he had to be, he had to be you know, in, in his 40s to do that. And the fact that Connor's doing it in his, in his 20s is amazing. So that window is still there for Connor, which makes me feel like he is going to come back, even with all the money that he has. Um, he likes to spend it. Life's a little bit wild for Connor McGregor right now, including a running with the Irish Mafia, allegedly. So life's pretty crazy for Conor McGregor. And I, I just think that he's a guy who's going to try and strike while the iron's hot. He's still going to try and get one more big fight. But you do have a lot of these killers out there. Look, Conor is spending a lot of time out of the octagon now. This is this is over a year that we haven't seen him train for mixed martial arts. So while he's out, Max Holloway is young, and he's only getting better. Tony Ferguson keeps winning, and it seems like he only keeps getting better. You know, I think the only safe matchup right now for Conor is probably another fight with Nate Diaz in hell. He got choked out by him once and had a razor-thin decision over him the second time. So that one's a little bit dicey for Conor. There are no easy fights for Conor McGregor when he comes back to the UFC, which is why when Manny Pacquiao comes out and he says he wants to fight Conor McGregor, even though Bob Arum shoots it down, you got to take it seriously because you got to look at Connor and say, all right, what's going to make him the most dough? He's a, he's a guy who fights now at a different price tag. But the UFC knew that when they were going to do the Floyd Mayweather fight. The problem is you have to make that fight. 
It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for your promotion, for your fighter, for him. And I think if you didn't let him do that, um, there would have been more, I think, validity to the UFC tries to keep their fighters down a little bit. So, and also it's, you know, that that I think would have gotten dragged into courts. I think that would have been them having to be challenged on 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 different acts that don't protect UFC fighters the way they do boxers. And because of that, I think they wanted to avoid all that. They'll make a lot of money, and they let Conor go do it. But you do have a lot of guys here who fans are, man, they are jonesing to see him get in there and, and go up against. But I don't know. I don't know if we will. I don't know if we will for a while. You know, the, Dana says that they're looking to make a new deal with him. And because of that, I think you have to look at this and and think, wow, he's probably he probably is going to be out for a while, and, and 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 you can save the whole you know suspension for the for the ring jump in to another side. There's clearly nothing going to ha- is is going to happen from that. Um, there's nobody really in line to discipline him. The UFC is not going to do it. Bellator promoted it, and the commission he's not licensed in. So if it's not the local authorities, I really don't know who gets after Conor McGregor for that. Does he get sued by the person who he slapped? Maybe. Um, but that person works in Bellator. So I don't know if they want to sever ties. I don't know if Bellator cuts a check. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like Connor's going to face any repercussions from that. Um, the other thing Dana had to say yesterday regarding Francis Ngannou, who, I mean, what a, what a, what a star that was built last night. That really, like that, there were so many exciting nights from, uh, moments from last night. There were so many exciting moments from last night. But, but. But Francis Ngannou's uppercut from hell on Alistair Overeem, it, it it should. I want it to be aired everywhere for people to see. I think that would be just for the UFC. Get this guy out there, however you can. And I, I you know, I don't ever want to make too much of this, but it does help the fact that Francis Ngannou, who mostly is, has spoken French in all these uh, in in all these promote, promotions, he not only gets up there with Joe Rogan, but He's up there, and he's speaking with Joe Rogan. Doesn't need a translator. He's he's clearly like, whoa, we can hear what this guy is saying. This monster is out there. He's wrecking shop, and now he's promoting himself, and he says, I'm not only going to do that to Stipe. I'm going to do that to everybody. That's – how I mean, you, you have this just unbelievable prototype of a heavyweight possible champion. Now, let's talk about that matchup. Stipe versus Francis Ngannou. Oh my God! I mean, first of all, the it's interesting because it's almost like the champion is the underdog here, and that's crazy to think. To think about the people that Steve Amiosic has beaten in his career, basically everybody who's not Kane Velasquez, because Kane's been out via uh, back injury. But you know, blue collar guy, undersized heavyweight. Still a fireman. He's still a volunteer bleeping fireman. He's the heavyweight champion of the world, and he's rescuing cats out of trees. And never leaves his hometown gym. He still trains in Cleveland. It's almost like he's got all the underdog elements to him, and Francis Ngannou is being molded basically by the company and given every advantage, given every benefit that they can give him to make him even more diabolical to make him even more dynamic 
And to think that those two are going to clash for a championship fight, it's the most juiced up you've been for a championship fight in the heavyweight division, man, I don't know, since Brock Lesnar? And that's no disrespect to, to Stipe's reign, and that's no slight on the, the Kane versus Junior Dos Santos trilogy, which were all fantastic. But I don't remember feeling this just absolutely excited to see a heavyweight. You know, the heavyweight division's lacked a couple of things. Stipe... Not the biggest personality. He he's he had that really cool moment when he knocked out Verdum in Brazil and he won the championship. Like we were talking about before, expected versus unexpected. That was a little unexpected, the way he did it. And that was cool. And he's still been able to maintain, but he hasn't really hit that star, absolute star power level yet. But people are excited to see him fight again. But there's really only guys, the only guys you want to see him fight are Kane and Nganu. Nganu delivered last night. You know, if Alistair would have won and we would have seen Alistair Overeem again versus Stipe, you probably would have had a debate. Is it going to be Alistair? Is it going to be Fabricio? And then we're, we're doing that same heavyweight cycle again. But now that you got this new blood, this superstar in the making, man, and, and if Stipe can, can blast through him, if they can have a hell of a fight promotion for this, and if Stipe can, can slice through him, then I think you have a launching pad for Stephen Miosic to next level, next level kind of status. Really, really can't wait for that bout. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. We'll take you up until around 10 o'clock. So... We did get some big news uh, outside of UFC 218 this past week in the UFC. Uh, we want to send uh, well wishes out to George St. Pierre. He is going to be out indefinitely. He has colitis. So that is, uh, he, he, uh, he released a statement, and here's what he had to say. He says, I now understand the health issues that I had during my last training camp. I had hoped my conditions would improve after the fight, but unfortunately it got worse. I had to go straight to the hospital for a colonoscopy. When I came home from vacation last Wednesday, the diagnosis was ulcerative colitis, and I'm now taking medication that will hopefully appease the symptoms. My health is my number one priority right now. I'm still a very happy man, and I thank you for your support. Dana White came out, and then he said that GSP is going to be out for a minute. He also he had quotes earlier the week before this news came out that said uh, if he didn't defend his belts at 185, that Dana White was going to be very upset about it. I don't think... I don't want to put the accusation out there that this is conveniently out there for GSP because that would make me seem like a real tool to say that he's doing this on purpose because he doesn't want to go fight anybody in the 185 division. But I don't think there was ever a plan on GSP's side for him to ever fight anybody in the 185 division. So the fact that he's stepping away... I do think that here, here should be the case. He probably shouldn't have gotten the 185 title shot in the first place. He got his awesome moment. He's now a two-division champion. He clearly doesn't have grand plans to defend at 185. Just have him vacate the title. He's not, he's not going to fight Robert Whitaker. And there's there's not really a superstar matchup that GSP is looking for at 185. Let's let's get this over with 
and let's make Robert Whitaker the undisputed champion at 185, and that division can move on. You know, this isn't – I don't think this should be something that's really, really dragged out. Like, if they say GSP is going to be out for a while – because here's the thing. All right, let's say GSP is taking medication to recover. He's not going to be in training camp, I assume, while this is going on. Um, how long is, is Robert Whitaker supposed to, to, to just sit there? And, and, and is he – this is the interesting thing to me. You know, interim belts – GSP has been in this because he, he had to recover from a knee injury. Interim belts are supposed to be there – when you have no plans of the actual champion being able to fight and so you need somebody to defend and the champion isn't maybe it's not a health maybe it's not a uh it's not a situation like connor usually where the champion is being taken up time by boxing usually the interim champion is out there because of injury and i think the actual case with gsp has to be all right gsp Let's say you are going to be out six months. Are you going to come back and defend? Like, I think you need a straight-up answer from GSP. Are you going to come back and are you going to defend the title against Robert Whitaker or not? If he says no, he should vacate. If he says yes, okay, then give Robert Whitaker uh, a fight at, or offer him a fight and see if he'll defend against a Calvin Gaslam, against a Luke Rockhold. But in my mind, I think... Myself, and I think many fight fans know, GSP's got no plans of defending that belt or being a reigning 185 champion. So why don't we just get it over with and make Robert Whitaker the undisputed heavyweight, uh, the undisputed middleweight champion, and then we can move on to getting that division freed up. And then when GSP comes back, whenever that is, he can go fight whoever the hell he wants. There doesn't have to be this long song and dance of him am i am i going to fight uh 185 am i going to fight 155 am i going to fight 170 no there doesn't have to be this long act like he is really struggling with a decision make it easy on him gsp had his moment and if he never fights again that's you know amazing career and it was an amazing way to go out on top but i don't think the division can be held up by a guy who just walked in there when all these guys have been scrapping and fighting and waiting and been going through a murderer's row at 185. And they have already been on ice this year because of the GSP Bisping fight getting pushed back. It was supposed to be in July, then it happened in November. And it was an awesome fight. It was great that it happened. That was a great pay per view for the UFC. But I don't think it's fair for these guys to be blocked up by this and so i think the ufc needs an answer quick on gsp and i think that answer probably is going to be that he drops the belt and that robert whitaker is now the middleweight champion and that division can go on freely uh as far as connor's concerned you know this idea that he is holding up that division you know I don't think Tony should go and fight a Khabib or anybody else till he has absolute certainty because I just think there's I think there's a different level right now star power wise to Connor and to GSP. So uh and the other thing is Tony just fought. Robert's been out a little bit. So I can understand him jonesing to get back in action a little bit more than Tony. You know, if Tony doesn't fight till the summer, I don't think that's a huge weight. The last his last break was eleven months. So and, and and then the only guy I think you could really argue for Tony to fight in the 155 division right now is Khabib Nurmagomedov. And even he 
I think has his own issues that he has to prove. He has to show up at 219. He has to make weight, and he has to be impressive for people to want to see him fight Tony Ferguson, for there to be any kind of argument. And then we can talk about the whole, all right, is Connor coming back or not? But I will say, look, Connor is getting to a level of being out long enough where you can make uh, the case that he shouldn't have the belt anymore. It stinks. And yeah, he does have different rules to him, but he has been out for uh, he has been out for a long time. He's been out for a year. And usually that's that's usually the magic number. A year, if you haven't defended, you haven't fought for your belt, then you lose it. And I know Connor operates in a different set of rules. But the other thing is, I also don't think he loses a lot by having the belts taken away. If anything, I think it almost adds to his legacy because he never really lost the one the, the 145 belt and he never would have lost the 155 belt. He would have never defended either one, which kind of stinks, but he never would have lost them. So he could still show up there with his two belts and, and complain about it. I think marketing-wise, it still works for him. So that'll be interesting. But I think that I think the GSP situation, I hope that gets resolved quick because I don't, I don't think that that fight is – I don't think that the Robert Whitaker-GSP fight was ever a reality – so let's not pretend like it has any chance of happening. You know, I know Dane is probably going to have his his um, public uh, his public calling out of GSP for it, but we know that those are just things that he does. He says what he really feels, and then they move on. The one interesting thing, the last interesting thing that came out from Dana last night, and, and after that I went again to um, next week's big boxing match, but the the interesting thing that came out last night somebody was asked about um Henry Cejudo taking on TJ uh, taking on Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson again those two have fought before and DJ beat him up pretty bad and i thought that last night was one of those cases where only really one guy could have been number 1 contender coming out of last night and i thought it was Sergio Pettis which was uh which was the one fight i whiffed on pick wise from last week uh the other ones we were we were good with but, um, you know, Cejudo put it on him, and he looked better. I mean, his striking was really, really impressive. It was really crisp, very strong, uh, didn't get phased by a lot of Sergio Pettis' tactics, beat him up, took him down. He was he was vicious. And Cejudo, you know, he got that fight with, with Mighty Mouse very, very young, too. He got that fight with very little experience. But... That division's thin. They're always looking for new contenders. You have the story of he's a he's a Olympic gold medalist, so there's good marketing behind it. However, I do think we did just see that fight recently, and the idea that Mighty Mouse is going to sit here and say, "Ah, no, 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 Cejudo over T.J. Dillashaw," um, I don't know if Dana's going to let that fly. It doesn't sound like it. Now, here's the interesting part from last night. It was asked about. He was asked by ESPN whether or not it was going to be Henry Cejudo back in there uh, or is it going to be the TJ DJ thing? And he says uh, Dillashaw versus Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson 100% happening. He's like, we haven't announced it yet, but it's 100% happening. So he didn't specify is, is TJ going up? Is TJ going down? Is Mighty Mouse going up? I've told you my, my thoughts on it. I would rather it be Mighty Mouse goes up. He's got the record now. And I think it's okay for 
125 to have a little bit of a break from him and to fight it out and to have some new guys kind of reshuffle and fight there and 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 there be oh it almost would be like a new weight class to be honest with you if if you had mighty mouse leave 125 he's been so dominant he's beaten the hell out of everybody in that division in every kind of fashion that it almost would be like recreating the flyweight division and him going up to fight tj dillashaw it's just such a more interesting story to me if you were to tell me right now that the story is Mighty Mouse is going up to fight for the 135 title. That interests me so much more than TJ Dillashaw going down to fight for the 125 title. Going up to get a title is always going to trump in storyline for me more than guy sucks his way down to go get belts. It just The whole time, TJ, Cody, wanting to go chase Mighty Mouse... And I get it. They can't say, hey, come on, Mighty Mouse, come up here. Come up, come up and fight us. That's always like, that's like fighter's code. They don't do that. You know, come fight on my terms. Even though, you know, boxing, it happens all the time. It's like not a big deal. But in MMA, it seems like it's more taboo to do that. So they're like, oh, I'm going to cut weight and I'm going to come down and get you. To me, that's like, it, it, I just, it loses something for me. It's a miss with me. But if it ends up being... DJ is going to go up in 135 to try and win that belt, to really solidify himself as one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. That, to me, is way bigger than him defending his belt against the 135 champion at his weight class. I don't know what it is. I don't know why the optics are so much more different to me. I think because I'm going to be stressing the entire time. Like, Is, D- is TJ Dillashaw really going to make – is he really going to make 125 pounds? He's never done it in his life. Never. Not in, not in wrestling, not in any competition, never been to 125. So we're going to be dealing this entire week with, oh, is he actually going to beat the scale? And I got to be honest with you. I think the first time this fight fell apart, I think it's because he couldn't beat the scale. But I'm telling you, it would have a different excitement for me if I knew Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson was going to throw caution to the wind, he was going to go up in weight class, and he was going to fight TJ Dillashaw on his ground – more so than the other way. Just would. And I don't know if that's a deal breaker either way, if TJ wants to go and collect belts. But, you know, there's also a difference to me in in the smaller weight classes, like the idea of Joanna going to be the 115 champ and then the 125 champ. It's like, uh, okay, you, you win in belts. Or when Nunez wanted to be the 135 champ or the 145 champ. All right. But, and it's a little bit the same for me for flyweight and bantamweight. Um, especially going and re- going down to get the belt, going up to get the belt. That's special going down to get the belt. It just, it feels weird to me. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't click. It doesn't click with me. Uh, next week we got Guillermo Regendau versus Vasily Lomachenko live from the theater at Madison square garden. An amazing fight on ESPN. I recommend highly that everybody watch this. We'll have a recap of this next week. Uh, I'm going to go with Lomachenko being Regendau a little bit of the case i just think lemachenko's more in the prime he's looked unstoppable every time he goes in there uh Rigadow's last fight was super weird i remember being there in person when he beat chucky flores uh chucky flores they call him chucky because that's what all his fans were calling him uh beating chucky flores by a no contest hit him after the bell crazy scenario i'm glad this fight is happening it's great that we are having a cross promotional fight 
It's going to get national TV love. I recommend you guys highly watch that fight. Uh, I'm going to go with Lomachenko winning that fight uh, by decision, but uh, I can't wait to watch it. I, I uh, recommend all of our listeners to tune into that one next week. It's going to be fantastic. Everybody, I appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.